0: Man, good. Good evening, church. Uh, thank you to those who are watching, who can, um, who was able to turn it, turn on the service at home and uh, be with us today. Um, I want to go ahead and get right into the word. So, if you have your Bibles with you, uh, have your apps with you, turn to John chapter twenty-one, and we're going to be in verse. 15 through 19 and I'll give you guys a little a little time to get there so you can follow along um we had our our restoration our uh resurrection service on Sunday and uh, you know it just lifted my spirits man I was so excited um I was so excited to teach today and so I thank God I thank God for all that he's done in my life and will continue to do in my life and um Everything that, that that he have changed in me and uh, lifted me up, lifted my spirits up. So I just want to give thanks to the Lord real quick. Uh, if you guys are ready, we're going to read in, uh, cha- uh, in John chapter 21, verse 15 through 19. And it says like this, and it says, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Simon replied, he said, to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. Then a second time he says to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter felt hurt. Because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he will glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. Let's pray for the reading of the word. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God. We thank you for tonight, Lord. We thank you for the message that... You have given us god we thank you for your word and everything that comes with it god we thank you for your spirit god we thank you for your presence in our lives in this place today god we ask that you just be here with us god we ask that those that are watching those that are listening to to have ears so they can hear that their ears be open that their eyes be able to see not just of the physical but of the spiritual that you want us to, to know and learn from you god and we just want to thank you and make sure that everything that we do we give you the glory and honor We say this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Now, there's so many layers that come with this story. And Reverend Greg brought up the analogy of peeling back the layers of an onion in his last two Bible studies. And that's, that's what I hope to do with this Bible story here. You see, in our, in our culture, in our American culture, we're often associate leadership with strength and confidence. You know, we, we expect our leaders to, to know what to do in every situation. We expect our leaders to, to be strong, to, to look the part. We expect our leaders to sometimes take care of things for us when we don't know what else to do. But Jesus has different expectations for his disciples as he prepares them to lead his ministry. You know, sometimes you have to humble yourself. Sometimes you have to admit defeat. And sometimes you have to be broken and restored. And I believe for Peter, all three of those things were are true. And, and this can be applied for all followers of Christ. This isn't just someone in a leadership role. This can be anyone who who wants to be close with God, who wants to have a covenant with the Lord. This is, this I believe is a very important message in the Bible. And the the title, that's that's why I want to talk to you today. For the title of this message is called Restoration of Peter. You see, Simon Peter was very loyal to Jesus. Um, If you remember, he gave, Jesus gave Simon the name Peter uh, which means rock, when, it fir- when they first met each other. And in Matthew 16, 18, some say he was specifically talking about Peter when Jesus said this, upon this rock, I will build my church. So you see, Peter was very near and dear to Jesus' heart. But describing the characteristics of Peter, he was, he was somewhat of an impulsive person. He was, he was very headstrong. He was someone who spoke in confidence. He was someone who, who was always, uh, the first to say something or a reply to Jesus. You, you know, you, you ever had that person who, who was in your life that, that always was the first one to speak, that always was the first one to, to encourage, that always was the first one to say something that, that, showed confidence but Peter spoke this way while he was with Jesus and that that little small part is important I want you to hang on to that you see he would champion for the Lord he would speak so much confident of Jesus and his ministry while he was with them when when some of the disciples turned away and and John chapter 6 and Jesus asked the 12 you do not want to leave too do you it was Peter who was the who was the one who replied, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. This this is how Peter spoke uh, when it comes when it came to Jesus. But it was during the Last Supper, Jesus made a prediction that disturbed Peter. He told him, I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Now, when Peter heard this, he he was sad, but he, he resisted. He was saying to Jesus, even if even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. See that like like he talked, he talked big. And then when Jesus was arrested and all of the disciples ran away, Peter didn't leave them, but he followed them from a distance. But it was this critical moment when, when he was identified as one of Jesus' disciples by a servant girl and his very survival was in question. Instinctively, he tried to save himself. You, you see, he, before he said, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. But it wasn't until that opportunity came or that moment came in his life where instinctively he, he denied he denied, or he disowned Jesus. He flatly denied Jesus as his master. And he did it three times. And he even, at the last time, he even cursed himself. He, when, when the rooster crowed, he, he finally realized like what just happened. And it says, and the Bible says that night Peter went out and wept bitterly. He, he was, he was sick. He was he was disheartened. He was ashamed. He was ashamed that all that that he talked about Jesus, everything that he said, "I'm gonna ride for you, Jesus. I'm gonna ride and die for you." Doesn't matter. I will be there with you. But when the moment came where he really had to sacrifice his life, it was his instincts that kicked in. It was it was was like he wasn't even thinking. He just said it. No, I don't know. I don't know Jesus. That, that's not me. And that's where you see the shame or that's where you hear the shame. That's why you hear them say Peter went out and wept bitterly because he, he felt ashamed for what he did. He felt ashamed. So Jesus died on the cross. We, we, we learned about that on Sunday. I won't go through that. Um, but when he was resurrected, when, when he was resurrected, um, it was Mary who came and told the disciples, I've seen Jesus, he's, he's, he's alive. And you see the two disciples run towards him. Um, you see Peter, Peter Simon, Simon Peter, sorry, run towards the tomb. He, he wanted, he was, it was like he was so ready to, to go see Jesus after all that he had done. He was so like, I, I, need, to, I need to go back and, and, and make up for what I've done. I, I need to see him. I need to see him one last time. And, and when he went, um, it's, it says that the first disciple to get, there was one disciple that got there first and he stayed outside of the tombs. But it was Peter, again, his, his overzealousness, his the, his. Persona, his personality. Instead of staying outside, he he ran inside. He needed he needed to go see that. And I don't know if that was just like a a, a way to show that that you know I, I will go further than the disciple who stayed outside. But I I just think that was kind of like how Peter was. That was kind of his personality. I'm gonna I'm gonna go overdo what the next man has done. And. And so I'm going to skip ahead and I want to go into the beginning of John chapter 21. And it says, after Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee and son of Zabidi, Zabidi and two other disciples were together and they were out going, they were going out to fish. Simon Peter told them and they, Simon Peter, excuse me, Simon Peter told them that I'm going to go out to fish. And the other disciples said, we're going to go with you. So they went out and got into the boat that night and they caught nothing. So I can imagine Peter now just like in a depressed state. Like I saw Jesus. I still don't know what to do. I'm I'm still feeling ashamed. So I'm going to go back to what I'm comfortable doing. See, you know, Peter also, uh, Jesus told Peter that, you know, he was a fisherman. So he wanted him, instead of being a fisherman, he wanted him to be a fisher of men. He wanted him, he wanted to use Peter to, in the church, he wanted to use Peter to go and save souls. But Peter didn't really know how to do that yet. All he knew how to do was just be strong, like like uh, um, an appearance in Vocally, he 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 just knew how to do that. He wasn't ready yet to be a leader, and and that's what Jesus was was doing here in this story. And so, in his guilt, and his shame, and all the things that he he done denying Jesus, he instead of instead of trying to make things right in that moment, he went back to what he knew. He went back to the boat. He went back to fish on the on the sea. He. And that happens at times. That happens at times when, when when, we've done something, when we've done something shameful, when we've done something um, that we're not proud of, when we've done something that we feel guilty of. We, we don't necessarily go and face the problem head on. We end up retreating. We end up going away. We end up um, hiding. We end up uh, secluding ourselves and going back to what we know, our old ways. Not our new ways, but our old ways. And that's what Peter did here in this moment. And, and so he, him and the other disciples went out there on the boat and they were fishing. And it says they were fishing at night. They was fishing all night and they caught nothing. And it says, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. Verse, this is verse four. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. So it was early in the morning, it's dark, they can't really see who this is, but they know someone's on the shore. And it says, Jesus calls out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? says, no, they answered. And so, like, I I believe, like, they're answering him because maybe this was someone that they thought was trying to buy some fish off them, you know, like, they see some guys in a boat, he's hungry, he's on the, he's on the beach ready to get some breakfast. So he sees some guys and he's yelling at them, hey, hey, friends, you guys caught any fish? And for them, they're like, no, we didn't catch anything. And so he says, and this is, again, this is a guy from the beachfront. He says, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when, when they did, they were able to haul the net in. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciples who whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And again, here, here's, this is the fun, it's funny part. Here's Peter again, uh, overzealous again, like I'm just, I'm not even going to think, I'm just going to do, I'm just going to act. As soon as Peter heard him say this, say it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, it says, for he had taken it off and he just jumps in the water. Meanwhile, the other disciples are going to stay in the boat. He just jumps in the water and he, he swims to shore. The other disciples followed in the boat, torn the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coal there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some, some of the fish you have just, just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore and it was full of large fish 153 but even with so many the net was not torn you know when i when i read that part i was like man give glory to god right there because they when they was outside when they was out there on the boat they didn't know it was jesus who was speaking to them they just trusted when this man said cast your net to the right side they didn't they didn't it doesn't say that they looked at each other like, who's, who's this guy? What is he doing? Why is he talking to us? Like, we know what we're doing. We're fishermen. They just trust it. And my Bible says, give it and it shall be given unto you. Good measures, pressed down, shaken together and running over. So when it tells you the number of fish, 153 fish, it just shows you that, the, that God provides. When you trust in him, when you put your faith in him, he will provide for you. And more, most of all, he will provide for you with more than you can handle. Abundantly, it says. But then Jesus says to them, come and have breakfast. And it says, none of, none of the disciples dare ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Just wanted to point that out. And and it's crazy because Jesus already had food uh, on the beach. He already had food. They didn't need to cast a net and, and bring the fish in so they can eat. He already had it. Again, what he was showing you was to trust in him. I can provide you food, but if you trust in me, I will make what I will make what you need more than than what you need. More than you can handle. I will give you so much more if you have faith in me. But I also will provide for you a food. That that food being my word. You can eat off my word. And so I'm going to jump to verse 15 because this is where I feel like the the important part is. This is the restoration of Peter. And then in verse 15, it's where Jesus starts to restore him. Like I said, Peter was one that talked a big game, always stood tall, spoke first when it came to Jesus. But as soon as trouble, as soon as there was trouble at at that time, as as, as soon as he would, as soon as there was trouble and at that time, as soon as he had to take up his cross, like Jesus, he denied him, and he felt ashamed, and he, he felt guilty, he had sinned, he had sinned towards the Lord, and this is the most important part for me, that when I was reading this, and God was giving me this message, I was looking at it, and you know what the first thing the Lord did to Peter? Now I can imagine again, sitting there waiting for, I can imagine before I get to that, I can imagine Peter sitting there waiting. And, and I I don't know if anybody can relate, but whenever you've done something wrong and you know, and you know, you've done something wrong, you know, you messed up and you have to see that person that you have messed up against or, or whatever the situation may be. And you feel guilty. You feel ashamed. You, you sit there and you wait, you wait to see what they're going to say. You wait to see what their reaction is. You're just, you're waiting for them to bring it up. You don't, you, you, sometimes you don't necessarily want to be the first one to bring it up. You want to, you kind of want to test the waters, stick your toes in the water a little bit, see if it's hot. You know, you want to see what they're going to say. Like, man, are they going to bring that up? Are are they going, I don't want to, I don't want to have to deal with that again. I don't want to be reminded of that. So it was important to me that the first, like Jesus didn't even bring it up to Peter at all. He didn't say anything. He didn't say, hey, man, you sinned against me. I forgive you. Hey, man, I saw what you did. I, t- or I told you so. I told you you was going to deny me three times. You know, some of us can be petty, man. Sometimes we like to bring up the thing that someone wronged us with. We like to bring it up and throw it in their face. Some of us like to be like that, but not Jesus, not not my God. He's He was not like that. He didn't bring it up to him at all. Instead, Jesus handled him with grace. He handled him with kindness, and then he asked him. And and now, notice he didn't call him Peter when he when he said this. He called he called him by his government name. He said, "Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these?" You see, Jesus had to get his attention. You know, he had to, he had you know you ever you you ever been scolded by your parents and they call you by your full name you know they call you first name and last name that's when you know something is serious right that's when you know the conversation is real yeah you had you jesus had to get his attention simon son of john do you truly love me more than these see when i read it i wanted to know what these was when he said do you do you, they don't expound on that. Do you truly love me more than these? That, that was the first thing he said to him. And you know, was he was he referring to the fish? You know, because you could sell that and make money. Uh, that's his old lifestyle. That's Peter's old lifestyle. Do you love me more than these? Or was he talking about the disciples that were with him, the brothers that was with him? And then, and then Peter, Peter, and Peter's normal fashion responded. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. You know, like, like I can, it, it sounded like it was aggressive. You know what I mean? Like, like, you know that you know that I love you. And then when he said that, Jesus replied with feed my lamb. Now, it doesn't give us any more information after that. It doesn't tell, it doesn't tell us what the rest of the conversation was. So I'm not even sure that there was another conversation after that. It, it it to me it felt like peter had to dwell on that for a little bit and then jesus asked him again he said excuse me he said simon son of of He says, Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And again, Peter answered, yes, Lord, I love you. Or you know that I love you. And, And see, not only, or excuse me, let me keep going. And then he asked him the third time, and he says, he saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of of John, do you love me? And it says Peter was grieved. He was, he was sad. He was, and I think in this moment, he kind of realized, he kind of realized, like, I can't answer the same way I have been. You know, I, I, I. I usually speak without thinking. I usually just say it. I usually just, you know, jump in like, yeah, Lord, enthusiastic. Yeah, Lord, I, I love you. Yeah, Lord, I love you. But what what Jesus was trying to do here, he was trying to get him to humble himself. He was he was trying to, to get him to see that moment. And then and, and and this is where he gives it all to God. He says, He says, he said yes Lord you know all things you know that I love you and then Jesus said to him again for the last time feed my sheep let me go back because I want to break it down some more forgive me He says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So again, like I was saying, he was trying to he was trying to get Peter to understand that that he was broken in this moment. He he was he had so much guilt. He has so much shame. He was trying to get him to to not act like he was before the before he denied him he needed to change his perspective. He needed to change how he thought. He needed to reshape him to be the leader that God needed him to be, not the leader that Peter thought God needed him to be. You see what I'm saying? Like he didn't, he didn't, God didn't need someone who was a cheerleader for him. He needed someone to love his people like he loved his people. So when he tells him to feed my sheep, he's trying to get He's trying to get Peter to understand it's not just about saying it. It's not just about speaking it. It's about acting on it. And if you say you love me, if you say that you love me, then you will love my people just like you love me. You will take care of my people just like I have taken care of my people. You can't say that you love me and not take care of the people that I that I died for. The people that I, I, I died for their sins. The people that I ministered to. The people that I reached out to. The same people that were struggling and I, I, I gave them shelter. I gave them food. I gave them healing. You can't say that you love me and not love them like I love them. And, and that's what he needed Peter to understand. So, the, the brokenness of Peter needed to be built back up. And it wasn't going to be built back up by shaming. It wasn't going to be built back up by guilting him. It wasn't going to be built back up by scolding him. It was going to be built back up by grace, by kindness, because that's how Jesus dealt with us. That's what Jesus died for us. You see what I'm saying? So this was a powerful message because Peter... Peter didn't understand that yet. He didn't understand that until this conversation with Jesus. You know, and, and that's, that's us. This story is us in today 's society. How many times have we done something that we felt guilty and shame for? How many times have we done something where we felt like we need to run away from the church or that we can 't see our pastor or we can 't come and see the brothers and sisters because we we feel guilty we feel guilty for falling off the wagon. We feel guilty for falling back to drugs. We feel guilty for falling back to alcohol. We feel guilty and ashamed for all the things that we 've done. Meanwhile, Jesus is meeting you. you see. Peter didn't come to Jesus. Jesus came to Peter. Jesus came to where Peter was at. Peter decided to go back to his old ways and, Pete, and Jesus went to meet him there. To tell him that. To show him grace. To show him kindness. To restore him in the place where he was at. And that's the important part for us today. Today. Like how many times have we felt like that? How many times have we felt broken in our relationships, in our marriages, in relationships with our kids, stuff that our kids go through? How many times have our kids felt broken and ashamed and guilty and didn't know where to turn to, didn't know who to turn to, felt like they couldn't, felt like everybody was going to make fun of them, felt like everybody was going to say something. They- against them felt like someone was going to talk behind their back they felt so ashamed they didn't know where to turn to they didn't know what to do and Jesus in this story is telling us is telling you who's telling whoever is struggling to come to come to him he's going to handle you with grace and kindness because he loves you he's died for you he died on the cross for your sins that's what he's telling us we don't have to feel guilty we don't have to feel ashamed of all the things that we've done we are our sins have been forgiven, so if you have struggled with that if you have are going through that if if you're someone who's listening right now who who felt like you can't come back because because of all the things that you're done you've done, look at this story of peter, a leader, a disciple who denied Jesus, and Jesus still came to him and handled him with grace so so But not only did Peter love, not only did Jesus, when he was asking him, you know, do you love me? Not only did did Jesus want Peter's love, but he also wanted him to recover from that wounded heart. And to do so, Jesus helped him confess his love. See, this is why I say, and here's why Jesus tenderly helped Peter to confess his love for him see it's the fact that Jesus loves us Jesus loves us is not enough. We must love him back, and because like I said, because of sin, we fail God and we lose our confidence to confess our love to him, because we feel the shame so be, so Jesus began to help Peter restore his confidence that was lost through his failures. See, Peter loved Jesus more than anything, he knew how to express it with words and and his demeanor. But like I said, when the day came, he wasn't able to show it because instinctively he just said, no, I don't know. He was afraid. He he didn't, he didn't want to die. So in this moment, what Jesus did by asking them these three questions, and I, I feel like it was symbolic because he was, denied him three times. So Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? He was trying to get Peter to say what was in his heart to say it out loud. So when Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. It was a public declaration of his failure and his utter hopelessness as a sinner who found endless mercy and forgiveness through the unconditional love of Jesus. Let me say that again. It, it, was, it was a public declaration of his failure. I couldn't say it then. I couldn't say it to the little servant girl that, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. Yes, I love Jesus. Yes, he's my savior. He couldn't say it. So Jesus getting him to say it out loud in front of the, the disciples, it was like, yes, I felt then, but... But now I'm able to say it. Now I have the confidence. Now I, I feel strong enough to say it in front of everyone. It was Jesus' love that empowered him and enabled him to confess that. Because you know, I, there's. We see this in today's society. You know, sometimes we're 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 at work or we're around people. Um, that don't truly know everything about us, and, and someone starts mocking God or Christianity or the church, sometimes we don't, we don't have the courage enough to say, no, wait, wait, hold on. That's my God, and let me tell you what he's done for me. Let me tell you, let me tell you what he's done in my life. Let me tell you. You, you, say, you say, God, there's no, there's no such things as, as miracles. Let me tell you about the miracle of my life. Let me tell you how he restored me when I was broken. We can't, sometimes we can't do that. Sometimes people can't do that. And again, it's, it's, his, it's his love that empowers us to do that. If we accept it, if, if we then in turn, give it back to him. Because then we can come back and tell people, no, let me tell you about my God. Let me tell you what he's done for me. Let me tell you how he lifted me up out of a dark place. Let me tell you by the mercy and by the grace that I shouldn't be here today. But he spared my life for reasons I did not know. Let me tell you about my God. You know, you know we, we, we sometimes like to just come to church. Sometimes like to just listen to the songs. Sometimes we like to, to act like we know a bunch of scriptures. But when push come to shove, when it's time to die on that cross, when it's time to carry your cross, when it's time to tell people, when it's time to go to a visitor, and when it's time to go to the community, when it's time to, to step up in the church, when it's time to, to help that individual who's struggling, when it's, when it's time to minister to others, Do we have the power? Do we have the confidence? Do we we have the love of Jesus Christ to faithfully step out there and tell people how much you love God and what he's done for you in your life? This is Peter. The rock, the leader. He was supposed to be the leader. He even denied Jesus three times. He had to be broken to be built up with the right kind of confidence. The right kind of power. So just because you're broken, just because things happen in your life, just because shame and guilt happen in your life doesn't mean you can't be used for the kingdom of God. It doesn't mean that you can't come back. It doesn't mean that you can't be restored. It doesn't mean that God won't restore you. You just have to be willing to to meet him, willing to accept it. You see, Peter answered, revealed his change. Three times Peter answered, you know that I love you. It's a simple statement. But again, Peter was known to be outspoken. He was, he was boasting his love for Jesus by saying, even if I have to die, I will not disown you. But right here, when he answered, you can, you can tell it was, he answered quietly and humbly. He was no longer that boastful he was quiet and humble he had he had to be broken and then restored and in that restoration in that quietness and that humble humbleness he became a strong leader of the church because he acknowledged he acknowledged that that weakness so it's like it's like like that verse, love is not loud like a resounding gong. Love does not boast, it's not proud. It's, it's rather a quiet confession followed by actions and sacrifices that dis- dem- demonstrates love. Like Mary who broke the expensive jar of perfume to wash Jesus' feet. That's love. You see, when, when Jesus kept, also when Jesus kept asking them to feed my sheep was, was an, another teachable moment for Peter because what Jesus was trying to tell him to do was to be a shepherd. You know, you're no longer going to be by my side. I'm handing everything over to you. And if you say you love me, then you will handle my sheep the same way that I handled my sheep. You will, you will tend to the new uh, converts as well as the old ones in the church as well. So like I said, there are many who claim to love Jesus, but, but they love Jesus in their own way. And, and that's, I feel like that's how Peter was. He loved Jesus in his own way but Jesus doesn't want that. Jesus wants to be loved in his way. And then those who love Jesus must learn how to love Jesus in his way by taking up the cross of of the mission. And it's it's not easy to love one a, a wounded person suffering from the devastation devastating influences of sin or what's around them. It's easy uh, or it's easy to think that You know, a few kind words spells out Christian life. Um, But a true shepherd loves and serves God's suffering flock with the word of God. He teaches them the Bible. He prays for them. He serves them until they can come out of their sin and come out of their their failures and to accept God's love and to, to grow and be shepherds as well. You see, we must love Jesus, sheep, and take care of them, no matter how difficult that may be. You know, I, and I understand, you know, sometimes our human nature, we, we, don't, we don't want to, to put ourselves out there. We don't want to, to give too much because we think people are takers. We think, you know, we, we think we live in a world where all people want to do is take, take, take. So we don't want to be the ones that's giving. It becomes draining. It, be, it, it feels like too much pressure. But Jesus is saying that if you love me, if you say that you love me, then feed my sheep. Tend to my sheep. And then feed my sheep some more. And again, when we look at that, sometimes we we think, Feeding sheep means to must to you know. It's duty. It's it's doing something. It's uh, you know I, I, co- I come to the church and I work I, I I I you know I I put in hard labor. Um, I'm always there. I'm 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 always supportive. I'm supportive, you know. I'm supportive from a distance. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. Those acts are good. Those acts come with it. But what Jesus is saying is, love my sheep as I loved my sheep. Love my people as I love my people. That's discipleship. You know, and and again, I, I, I get it. You know, some people can say that it's difficult. Some people can say that it's hard. Some people can say that, you know, I have a full-time job. What more do you want from me? Some people can say, you know, I, I got family. You know, I, and I, I understand. I'm a father as well. I have a full-time job as well. So I, I get it. But if we say that we love Jesus, tend to my sheep. Feed my sheep. That's what he's saying. Love my people enough to set some time to preach to them, to disciple them, to build them up. Not to talk bad, not to tear them down, but to build them up. That's what Jesus did. He built Peter back up. He was already broken. We've all been there. We've all experienced that. Broken. Ashamed. Full of guilt full of doubt, not wanting to be here, everything. And if you haven't done it, then you know someone who has. And can you empathize with them? Can you, can you understand them? Can you understand their pain? Can you understand their hurt? Enough to where you want to lift them up, enough to where you want to care for them, enough to where you want to share the word of God with them to restore them, to build them back up. We've all been there. And so Jesus is telling Peter, the most important thing for Peter, it's not the word. And I'm not trying to say that to be controversy. I promise you that. But he had to tell him, Peter, it's more than just saying something. You need to love my people as I love my people. And if you truly did that, if you truly do that, then you won't fall into that trap. Where it's, I deny Jesus. He tells them, feed my sheep. So Peter finally understood that. I feel, Peter finally understood that. He finally understood like, okay, I get it. I can't just be loud about it anymore. He says it quietly. He says it humbly. He says, Lord, you know Everything. And you know that I love you. I'm gonna get ready to close. You see, Simon Peter and his love for Jesus, he finally accepted his call. He did not know where he was gonna go and how to feed God's flock. He did not have a clear idea of how to serve and succeed Jesus' ministry. By faith, Peter just accepted and made every effort to obey Jesus' command. Despite his weakness, despite his shortcomings, Peter just followed Jesus, serving his God-given mission from that time on. And many years later, when Peter got old, he said this. He said, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers. Not because you must, not, be, not because you're willing, not for greed or money, but be eager to serve, not lording it over those who entrusted you not not bragging over and not belittling those under you but be examples to the flock and when and when God finally appears, finally appears you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away Thank you, church.